Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and a hearty welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make the years after 40 the best years of your life. And today we're going to take our program down on the farm. Regular listeners may know that I reside in Iowa, the heart of the farming country, the state where the tall corn grows. But although I grew up in Iowa and I moved back here, my father worked in, in insurance, and I have never lived on a farm. But my guest today is entirely different. She's lived out of town most all her life. And as she entered middle age, Dr. Sandra Matheson found herself divorced, unable to continue her career as a veterinarian, because of work-related chemical sensitivities and stuck with a money-losing farm, and where then she got beaten up by a cow. <laughs> well, guess what? Sandra picked herself up, dusted off, and set out on a successful career as a lady rancher, which has become the metaphor for her life. And whether you presently face a similar midlife crisis or perhaps you simply are stuck in the same old, same old, wrong job, tough relationships, poor health, lousy finances, whatever, Sandra is here to inspire you, regardless of age, to become your very own cowgirl, or in my case, I guess, cowboy. And uh, here's, she's here to explain why you can seize life and wrangle what you want, finding your purpose, embracing maturity, using what you've learned, filling your bucket list, and having some fun. And here's Dr. Sandra Matheson's remarkable biography. Growing up on a farm, she's a retired veterinarian, currently an active rancher, an author, an educator in regenerative agriculture, and she owns a grass-feed beef and yak operation in northwest Washington State and also is an avid photographer and a documentary film producer. And Sandra's passion is helping folks like you and me become more successful in our businesses and personal lives. And she's author of a brand new book we'll preview today titled Thrive After 40, How to Seize Life and Grow Your Dreams. And howdy, Sandy Matheson, a hearty country welcome to uh, our program. Thanks very much. Well, before we get started on the good stuff, will you please describe the circumstances a few years back when you got beaten up by a cow? <laughs> Did you and Bessie make up later? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm, I've been around animals all my life, and I can usually read them pretty well. But once in a while, you'll get one that um, you just are not quite sure about. And it really was just simply trying to get the animals in the in the chute so we could do the actual vaccinations and yeah. um there were a couple heifers out in the pen in the corner and um I was out there and I knew one was a little nervous and the other one was pretty calm and so I was talking to him, thought I was doing everything right and the one turned around and went where she was supposed to and the other one 
suddenly started bucking and started kicking me with both of her rear legs, which is unusual for a yeah, cow. That's, the danger, that's, that's the danger zone with a cow, I know. Uh, yeah, I thought I was out of the danger zone, but apparently not. Um, anyway, she repeatedly kept kicking me, and I was afraid she'd kick me in the head, so I hung on to a panel and just let her mm-hmm. kick me and. She pretty well messed up both legs, and I was out of commission for quite a while. Oh, that sounds like utter disaster. <laughs> yes, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Well, let's get serious. Entering middle age, you found yourself unable to continue in your veterinary career and stuck with a money-losing farm. What inspired you to pick yourself up and the passion to, to revitalize the family ranch? Did the inspiration come from a single event or a series of events, or uh, what happened there that got you all uh, charged up and going forward at at, at that uh, time of your life? Well, I grew up on the farm, and the farm has um, been in the family for over 60 years. And so, you know, it really is a place that I love and a place that I wanted to remain living on. Yeah. And when the time came that I was not able to work in my veterinary career and traditionally the farm was losing money, it just came down to the choice of if I want to be able to, you know, stay here, I'm going to have to make this work. Hmm. And um, it is, I mean, it it really was the the fact that I just had to make a choice and I decided I am going to have to do something. So what I did was um, I wanted to try to put up a website. I, at that time, I didn't really even know how to do that. So I didn't have much money. I had very little money at the time. And um, I found a business coach. Oh, I spent six months working with her and um, got a website up and then all of a sudden had some interest from the um, some of the grocery stores. And from there, it just grew and became at then at that point a profitable venture and um I was able to stay on the farm and keep the the cattle that I love so much the wonderful thing is you knew what your passion was and you were following your passion and it seems like when somebody does that they almost always in some way succeed <laughs> it's when you're doing yeah, and- following somebody else's game plan <laughs> life can get pretty frustrating and tiresome and I, I agree with that because you really have to have passion for what you're doing. If it's not something you really are invested in, something you don't really care about, you know, you're not going to keep doing it or it's not going to generally not going to work out. Well, in your promotion, you describe yourself as a farmer every day in every way, the core of my being. Can you please give us a glimpse into what farm life means to you and how you've embraced maturity from your perspective of lifetime on the farm? I know that's a pretty big question, but maybe give us a little insight to what it's like to be a farmer every day in every way. Well, it really is, to me, it's having that connection with the animals and having that connection with the land. To to me, one of the most wonderful moments is just to go stand out there on a, you know, a nice day, watch yeah. the animals graze, um, just being out there with them and, you know, listening to the birds. And um, to me, it's just a really special time. Uh, one of my favorite 
times of the year is when we have new babies on the ground, new calves, and um, watching them run and play. I mean, to me, that's really wonderful. So there really are a lot of really wonderful moments on the farm, but there's also a, there's a lot of hard work involved. Yeah, um, that's for sure. Yeah, an awful lot of hard work. and you Especially know, for you farmers out there that still raise livestock. A lot of farmers around here just plant their corn and soybeans and let them grow. <laughs> yeah, and that would be simpler, I think, <laughs> in that, you know, you never know if in the middle of the night, you know, something's going to happen or, you know, you're ready to go yeah. someplace and, and you realize that, you know, an animal needs help. or yeah. um, And sometimes it's under nasty weather conditions um you know it's not easy i'll be really honest with you it's not easy but then there the rewards of knowing that you know you're making a difference or you saved a life uh you know or or you're improving the soil you're improving the land all of those things are very i also love the way you put it that you know that if you weren't raising the food who would or if you weren't managing Mm -hmm. the farm and and protecting the land who wouldn't it really, any time you have a passion in life, it's so much more vital if you know you're helping someone else by what you do rather than just helping yourself. Because exactly. passion for selfishness doesn't really accomplish very much. But so. <laughs> well, let's turn to those of us who don't live on a farm. You tell us that as a farmer grows his or her crop, we non-farmers can make choice to seize life and grow our dreams after age 40. That's an interesting comparison. Can you please summarize a few ways successful farming is like grasping destiny and uh, facing, uh, taking control? Yeah, it's, um, for me, I think that one of the things that I've come to realize in farming is that, yeah, there are going to be some things that happen, some bad things that happen. But just as in any aspect of life, it's not what happens, but it's how you respond to it and yeah. your attitude so, about it. So and so, you know, if I'm out here on the farm and something happens, nobody else is going to take care of it. I need to take care of it. And I can't just simply shrug my shoulders and say, you know, oh, well, you know, worry about yeah. it tomorrow or, you know, not going to. If something gonna, bad happens in my life, uh, if I just uh, leave it unattended, it's likely I'm likely to dry up and wither the same as... Uh, <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so it really, you know, just as we grow our animals or we grow our crops, we really need to grow our future, what we want. I was just appalled a few years ago when I would see some of the people that I grew up with, um, you know, other people that I meet that are my age and, you know, they're, they're frustrated, they're not happy, they look like they're 20 years older than they are. And, um, you know, they're just, it's like they quit living sometimes. And it, yeah, I experienced that at our high school reunion a few years back. It was amazing oh, yeah. the difference in appearance of people all the same age. <laughs> yeah, and so um, for me it's about really just like a farmer has a plan. I have a plan on, you know, how I'm going to graze my animals. I have a plan on which animals I'm going to keep, which ones I'm not going to keep, you know, how many animals can I run on the farm. And so I have a plan for all of that. But we really, if we want to be able to grow our life or grow our dreams in the way we want them, we really need to take action. We don't just, you know, I can't just sit here and 
see what happens. It really does take planning and it takes steps, and sometimes they're little baby steps. But it does require taking some action to make things happen in your life and to, to do what you want to do. You know, the thing that I hear so often is that, you know, when people are, are dying and they're asked, you know, you know, what is your, your biggest regret in life, it's usually that they didn't do something that they wanted yeah, to do. The saddest thing you can utter in, when you're on your last days is if only or I could have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the saddest thing. Well, the common criticism of folks over 40 that we become too set in our ways, as you put it, routine becomes, well, routine. What, in your opinion, is the reason for this? Are we influenced too much by society's traditional notion of old age or old or over the hill? (laughs) I think that that's part of it. I mean, we hear all the time, oh, you got to be careful now because you're getting older. I hear that, you know, being a farmer, because I'm out there, you know, wrestling cows and things. (laughs) And I'm not as strong as I used to be, right? And I I realize that I have limitations now, and I have to to work around that. But um, but really, yeah, there there is just, um, how can I say, there really is some influence on the outside, but I think it's more of an influence that comes from the inside. Amen. That, um, you know, we think, okay, well, I'm getting older, so I can't do that, or, you know, I don't I don't have enough money, you know, I can't afford to do that. Or my best um, years do, are all behind me, which is really the worst one of all, I think. Yeah, and, and to me, I think about, you know, if I could go back now, would I want to, you know, go back to when I was younger? And, and I think about, oh, gosh, that was, you know, we think those are the best years, but they were really hard and we made mistakes and we had, you know, frustrations. And, and you know, I'm a lot smarter than I used to be. And I would not like to go back to that point where, you know, I was young and naive, I guess yeah, that, you might that's say. So true. I've got so much experience behind me now. And, and we and shouldn't regret our past experience. We should learn from it and, uh, you know, re- yeah. maybe recognize where we made I, uh, mistakes in the past. But it does absolutely no good to fret over it <laughs> and say, if only I'd done this 20 years ago or blah, blah, whatever it is. That gets you nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So really, if you really want to do something, you know, it's just sit down and figure out how can I do it. I'm actually leaving this week. I'm going to go to Bali to a, a retreat, and I've been wanting to do it for years. And, and I, then I thought, oh, gosh, I need to listen to my own advice. <laughs> yeah. I just decided, you know, got some money saved up, and, and I'm going. And yeah, I, I'm excited about it. And, yeah. Well, here's a good reason for us, or a good question for a successful lady rancher. What does the term mean, and how do you connect to your inner cowgirl or cowboy? <laughs> and do you have have to abandon your inner city apartment or suburban home and buy a farm? How how do I connect to that cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> I think it, no, you don't have to buy a a home in the country to do that. It really is about. Um, looking at the world in a, with a little different perspective. 
being a farmer, you have to be aware of what's happening around you all the time. And so I think that has really helped in terms of my observation skills and just appreciating nature and appreciating what's out there. And so it could be something as simple as, you know, taking a walk and noticing the flowers or noticing something that's different or, you know, or talking to people, you know, saying hi to people along the way. Um, but Especially really, being aware of that inner critic, because that's, I know you point out in your promotion that that holds so many of us back. And uh, if we really yeah. understood where it was coming from and why it may not even apply today and how we can overcome it if, if it is for real, that's, that's yeah. so much part of it, too, I think. But, it, yeah. it really is. I mean, I, I think about when I was, I think it was in sixth grade, I had a... Um, it was a. It was actually a visiting teacher counselor that was there, a substitute, and it happened to be my day to go in to talk about the future, <laughs> right? When you know, when you're in sixth grade, and he he told me that because I had bad handwriting and I was left-handed, that mm. I would never graduate from high school and I would be a failure in life. And well, no lefties can graduate from high school, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, how many children, you know, has he ruined? And, but if you hear that again and again, um, you begin to believe it. And so then it gets down in your, self, in your subconscious mind and you don't even know where it's coming oh, yeah. from at some point. You just assume I'm oh, bad. Yeah. And writing on no good or whatever it is. It's a, it's a tragic thing. But uh, Well, your book's chapter 12 is titled Stress Manure Happens. Why is it so important as a mature adult to manage stress? Oh, yes, stress. <laughs> That's a big one. And, you know, we all we all have a little stress from time to time, and some, sometimes more often than others. But really the stress is stress is a killer. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's so much medical evidence that, um, you know, if, if you're stressed, you don't sleep as well, you know, you're more prone to um, various uh, medical conditions. Um and it really just wears on your life. I have seen people transform that ordinarily were, you know, happy, cheerful people. I've seen them physically transform and the expression on their face transform to look very hardened when they're going through something that's stressful. And um, they actually even look different. And, you know, of course, their physiology is going to be different, too, when they're under a great deal of stress, which, again, is going to lead to, you know, multitude of other problems. But then I've seen those people get over, you know, overcome whatever the situation was, and, um, you know, that stress is, is relieved. And, again, like physical changes that I can see, you know, even in their face and such, and, of course, in their health. Their health is much better as well. So stress is something that we need to manage. And it's not, I mean, stress is going to happen. Things happen. Manure happens, as we say, on the farm. And um, Or on the bumper you know, sticker, a little different name on the bumper manure. Sticker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it really, you really just, I know for me what I do is something happens, and, of course, sometimes there's that moment of, you know, horror or panic or whatever it might be. But then I go, okay. This has happened. What what can I do? That's the and, way to do it. That's that's the only way to do it is uh, to start looking for solutions rather than fretting over the what might happen or what has happened that you can't mm-hmm. redo. <laughs> that's exactly it. 
Well, the bottom line is a person who herself has effectively accomplished midlife rebirth and renewal, what advice would you give to listeners who find themselves over 40 and looking to make a change? I would say one of the first things is really assess your life. Um, what In what areas of your life are you satisfied with? Excuse me. What areas of your life are you really happy with? What areas are you unhappy with? You know, and and is there something that you can do to change that? Um, and what steps can you take to change that? Um, sometimes no, uh, the most important thing, what do you really want out of the future? Because well, yeah, so many people yeah, only have that question answered, and they can't really uh, strive toward a goal if they don't really have a firm goal or idea of what they want. Yeah, and one of the ways that, you know, either you can tell from yourself or somebody else can tell is you start talking about different things, you know, and maybe something you want to do or something you might be interested in. When you talk about, you know, that thing that you are passionate about, you know, your whole posture changes, your face lights up, your voice changes. I mean, it's you know, you're almost transformed in that moment. And, Especially uh, if had you really th- believe you can accomplish it. And with some faint dream or something, then probably it's going to fly away in a few days. <laughs> but if it's really something you want, like you say, your whole attitude and outlook change. Yeah, and so if, if there is something like that that excites you, then figure out, you know, what can I do so that I can do more of that? And... Um, realize that we have a great deal of experience, we have a wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, many people are retired at you know, at this time in their lives and they've got more time to do what they want to do. And it really is just coming down to what makes you excited, what makes you happy, what have you always wanted to do and how can you just take it, you know, the first steps in making it happen. You may be retired from your career, but by golly, you don't have to be retired from life. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because, I mean, and I'm glad you said that because I think of someone that I know that, um, you know, was a very successful person, just well-loved by everybody, um, you know, by the students, by the community. Um, He was urged, oh, you know, you need to retire, go have fun. So eventually he did retire, and a year later he committed suicide because all he had no purpose anymore. He yeah. sat in front of the TV until he couldn't take it anymore. That's and, not the I mean, anyway today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's tragic, but you've got to look for what what is your purpose? What is your new purpose? What do you want? What excites yeah. you? Just Let's do it. talk about your forthcoming book, uh, Life After 40, as a successful rancher, what inspired you to write a book about aging? Well, again, it comes down to just seeing some people that I know that, you know, they're in their their 40s or 50s and, and, you know, they've been working or um, they've lost their jobs because they've been replaced by younger workers, for instance, and maybe they don't need to be paid as much. And... You know, they they feel like they're stuck. They can't find a job. It is really hard for a middle-aged person to find work oftentimes. Yeah, they um, offer, there's record low unemployment, but that doesn't mean most middle-aged people can find the job they want. Like you say, they, they often end up in far less uh, inspiring jobs than they once had because of that. But, uh, 
Yeah, and you know, and I see so many of them that are, you know, they're at retirement age, but then they, you know, they're in financial difficulty or they're they're alone and they're sad and they're miserable, and so I just was seeing more and more of that, and I thought, you know, I just I need to I need to do something at least to get my story out there, and maybe it will, if it can help anybody else, that's really what I want. Well, I notice in the title of your chapters there's some uh, reference to farming. For example, Chapter 6, The Mature Body, Something in the Way She Moves, or Chapter 8, Relationship, If You Don't Listen, You Can't Hear the Corn Growing. Is uh, an intent for readers like uh, to liken mastering the good life at age 40 and beyond to employing the knowledge and skills of a successful farmer? Is that what the point you're trying to get across, <laughs> I guess, in some ways? Yes, I mean, the advice, as I as I mentioned, is going to be for any anybody embracing or you know reaching their maturity. But I do I have learned so many lessons from the farm, and I I want to share those and you know using some metaphors, using some stories, some examples. Um, but it's really the farming is so much a part of me. I started I almost finished the book, and then I realized you know I'm a farmer, and and you know I. I just felt like the book was missing something, and so I realized I needed to put, you know, this farming aspect, which is, you know, part of my core, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I really need to in- incorporate that into the book, and so that's what I've done. Well, uh, we're as we're recording this, the, the book isn't quite available yet for the press for people to buy. Uh, when do you expect it to be uh, actually published, and where can our listeners go to uh, check on progress so they'll know when they can uh, when and where they can go to find it well you can go to um the website um thriveafter40.com and that's the number numeral 40 so thriveafter40.com the book will be available this summer um it is about to go to publishing um and so it shouldn't shouldn't be too awful far away um, but they can go to the website, go to the contact page, and ask to be put on the list. And when it is available, we will contact you and let you know. Well, that sounds great. And in conclusion, whether you're facing a personal crisis or simply bored and disgusted with the way things are, middle age is a great time for change and new beginnings. And your kids are all grown or soon will be. There's near record unemployment in North America today. And to help you settle upon what you really want to do with your second half and how to get there, my guest, uh, Sandra Matheson's upcoming great new book, Thrive After 40, may be just the guidebook for you. And to quote Sandra, my hope is that this book will help you accept the wild second half ride with dignity, anticipation, and with a fire in your spirit. So push off with all the strength you can muster, and instead of screaming for it to stop, which it won't, I challenge you to raise your arms, scream with delight, and declare to the world, bring it on. And here's an idea. May I suggest that you purchase and read both Sandra Matheson's new book, Thrive After 40, along with my own, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, by Roy C. Richards, because the books complement each other very well. And remember, you'll find my book on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or through our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. And both Sandra's book and mine were written to convince you beyond any doubt that once you open your spirit, heart, and mind to possibilities, the sky is the limit. 
Once again, Sandra's full title is Thrive After 40, How to Seize Life and Grow Your Dreams. And thanks so much, Sandra, for inspiring us here today uh, through your sage advice, the advice of a person who's committed to the land and has uh, lived in farming all her life. Well, thank you very much. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. And to all of you out there, uh, whatever the weather or season, let's all go out for the wonderful days uh, that lie just ahead and uh, enjoy that ride downhill. Maybe <laughs> with still a few bumps in the road, but we can handle that, so bring it on. And we may say this almost every week, but without a doubt, for those refreshed, renewed, and in control, middle age and even early stages of uh, latter age can be the best years of your life. Now that my guest, Sandra Matheson, has pointed the way to a new beginning, I'm certain each one, each one of us will want to consider putting on our cowgirl or cowboy suit. <laughs> Before I go, I'd like to briefly describe a traumatic health scare I personally suffered just last week, one that turned out basically to be a false alarm. You may recall that on last week's program, guest Ted Baxter described his long battle to rehabilitate from a massive stroke he suffered in 2005, and it took Ted years to recover his ability to speak, read, write, restore full memory, and regain full use of his right arm and right leg, a major rehabilitation challenge. And by the way, you can go back and listen to last week's May 20th, 2019 episode at any time from our program website. And ironically, the May 20th issue of People magazine featured a major article on the recovery efforts of former country music star Randy Travis, who suffered a near-fatal stroke in 2013. Randy miraculously survived the stroke with wonderful inspiration from his soulmate, now his wife Mary, and this is the wonderful thing. They were married in 2015, two years after his stroke. A wonderful uh, gesture by Mary. I must really love the man. And in every picture and people that showed, uh, Randy has a big smile on his face. So he hasn't given up and he's striving. And although he has trouble speaking and has lost usage of his right hand, Randy still likes to interact with fans walk and ride around on a wheelchair in his ranch, and remarkably is just now releasing a memoir written with the help of a ghostwriter who has uh, interpreted everything that uh, Randy uh, had to tell him, even though it's very hard for him to speak. Uh, quite an accomplishment. So both Ted Baxter and Randy Travis have displayed tremendous courage, willpower, and persistence in accepting the consequences and then rehabbing from their massive strokes. No, their lives are not the same. And you may recall from last week that Ted says his life actually is far better as he educates and offers stroke prevention and recovery advice to others. And he's just released his own new book. The People article uh, relates that Randy Travis, now 60, and wife Mary still share the dream that someday he'll sing again. And I personally have several of Randy's records. I'm really a Randy Travis fan, and I certainly hope that he does. Anyway, on to my own scare that in hindsight seems to be changing my life a little bit for the better. On last Friday, I was having morning coffee and reading the paper. Yes, I still do that. 
<laughs> Most people just go to the Internet now, I guess. But then I noticed that I didn't feel all that well. And as you may recall, one of the first signs of a stroke, as spelled out in Ted Baxter's B-E-F-A-S-T, B-FAST acronym, is face drooping, trying to smile, only to discover that one side of your face is not cooperating. Remembering that, I went and looked in the mirror, and lo and behold, the whole right side of my face was hanging low. When I smiled, the right side of my mouth wouldn't open, and my right eye wouldn't fully close. And as you undoubtedly know, Ted Baxter and all the other stroke experts tell you to get to a hospital as soon as possible when any of those common stroke symptoms occur. So that's what we did. My wife, Gloria, drove me to our nearest hospital emergency room, which fortunately is only five minutes from our house. And luckily, I did not have any of the other common stroke symptoms, loss of balance, blurred vision, trouble speaking, or inability to raise one or both arms. But the sagging face was more than enough to scare the bejubies out of me. The good news, the hospital ran the standard test for stroke and nothing showed up. Turned out I was suffering not from a stroke, but from Bell's palsy. Never heard of it? Well, it's face sagging that happens when a nerve in one side of your face becomes inflamed, but it is not a stroke. It has nothing to do with a stroke. Medical professionals are not certain just what causes Bell's palsy. Some experts think it's caused by a virus. But the good news, although the emergency room doctor prescribed seven days of medication, which I'm now through taking, Bell's palsy generally heals itself, different recovery links for different patients, but in the end, almost everyone's face returns back to normal, and I can report now that after a week, my face no longer sags much at all. My wife tells me she no longer notices a difference, and I can smile again, same old ugly face. But here's my personal miracle. I feel like God is telling me something, most likely to slow down a bit, smell the roses, and interact more lovingly with my spouse, family members, friends, business associates, also to take more interest and express more concern for strangers or casual acquaintances that I come in contact with along my daily routine. And for the past several days, I've been trying this tactic. It's working, and it feels great. Like the other day, I complimented a man uh, who went out to get the mail. They just put an addition to their house, and I told him how I had admired it before, but I made a point of telling him uh, that I really admired his house, and I know he appreciated that. That kind of thing can really uh, work wonders both for yourself and for the mood of others. And... Uh, I recommend that you try the same loving approach. No, you don't have to uh, tell everyone on the street hello, but just uh, you know, have that positive attitude as you walk along. And no, you needn't wait for a stroke or even Bell's palsy to deploy it. And that's our program for today. Now let's all go out and grasp spring. 
and catch us next week on another episode of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 